Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Cricket 19, official video game of the Ashes. For more information and to purchase, go to Amazon.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Analyst at the World Cup. Very exciting day today. Actually, not just for cricket, funnily enough, with the World Cup ahead on Sunday, but actually for sports fans in general. It's the most incredible sporting weekend, I think, ever in England with not only the Cricket World Cup, but the Netball World Cup is starting. We've got the Silverstone Grand Prix. We've also, of course, got the Wimbledon Finals as well. So all the TV channels clamouring to show all this stuff. Uh, Clearly, our focus is on the Cricket World Cup and the fact that now that England are in it, it's going to be on terrestrial TV for the whole nation to enjoy. It's going to be on Channel 4 from, I believe, 9am in the morning, actually. So, And it's going to be on Test Match Special as well. Sorry, I, of course, for those who can't get to a TV, listen to Simon on the radio. There'll be lots of people driving, etc., yeah. moving around the I country. I hope not, actually. I think t- 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 Sunday is a day to stay put <laughs> and, and just well, surf between the channels mm. if your cricket isn't perhaps your thing. But, I mean, I, th- I think it's a momentous day because of the fact that England getting to the final has meant that Sky have given it over to the nation uh, for the first time. So the first time that cricket, domestic cricket, is on live TV, or should I say English cricket, is on live TV for the whole nation since 2005. Yeah, and remember what happened then. You know, it, was, it, was, it was incredible, wasn't it? The Ashes 2005, everyone watched it, got into it. The audiences were, were huge because the cricket was compelling. Well, let's hope it's like that on Sunday. What a boring one-sided semi-final it was, <laughs> eh, for the neutrals. Uh, for the committed, I mean, what a glorious day for English cricket. No, no more, no less than that, wasn't it? I mean, fan- absolutely fantastic performance from England. Not quite from the first ball, because the first ball was a half volleyball by Chris Wokes that Warner put through the covers before. And if England's shoulders sort of, or, and the shoulders of their fans drooped a little bit after the toss, you know, when Australia mm. won it, then they might have just drooped a bit more after that first ball. But after that... England were absolutely fantastic. In, in a way, though, I think that the, fi- the first ball half volley was a message 
And the message being that when England lost those games in the sort of middle of the tournament, obviously to Australia and to Sri Lanka and so on, there was a slight reining back of this sort of fearless, aggressive approach. I wouldn't call it timid exactly, but it was sort of miscalculated. It wasn't quite as forceful and positive as England had played the cricket that England had played before that had got them to this point. And... So batsmen can obviously make a statement by hitting a half volley for four early on or, you know, making a kind of positive uh, shot of some kind if you bat first. Now, how can bowlers do that? Well, bowlers can just go for the sort of conservative option, bowl back of a length and, you know, not give the batsman anything to hit sort of thing. And I think that's what England did a little bit at Lords mm. against Australia in the group game. They didn't go for that more positive, more potent kind of length which is what you need to do to get early wickets in World Cup cricket, especially at Lords, where the ball just moves a tiny bit in the air and off the pitch, off the slope, in those first five overs. And where England got it wrong at Lords against Australia, they got it right at Edgebaston, because it was almost saying, OK, so we will bowl the odd half volley, you can have a little drive, but we're trying to maximise any possible help that we can get from this ball, from this pitch. And the, the delivery of Joffre Archer to Aaron Finch soon after that, LBW first ball, the perfect ball to yeah. Finch, just slightly fuller yeah. than you might want to bowl in a conservative mindset, but just projecting, speculating for mm. a wicket. Got a wicket, Australia captain back in the hutch first ball, and that really set the tone for the rest of it. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure Chris Works saw his first ball. He said to me, "Oh yeah, I just bowled a, I just bowled a long half volley, didn't I?" But and he hit it for four. But I mean, he, he was superb, wasn't he, Works? Yesterday, what a man! The match, what, what a day for him. Matt, one of the you know, the real nice mm. men. It's, it's actually it's a bit sentimental. I know it's one. Of, it's, it's nice to see one of the really decent men have a, a great day out. Home ground, World Cup semi final. Man of the match got rid of Warner as, as well with one that just bounced a bit, and I just sense you know get Warner out early. It was such an important factor for England, and they can they controlled the game, didn't they? Really, even that even that hundred partnership. The problem with hundred partnerships when you've lost those three early wickets is when it ends, you know, you're still you know you're still 110 for four, aren't you? You're still in big trouble. So you've had this massive effort to get yourself out of trouble, but you're still in a difficult. Position and England just squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and things went their way. Things like the Butler run out, going through the legs of of Steve Smith. Uh, Smith sort of summoned all his sort of energy, all his determination, but you know not quite good enough. Not quite good enough on the day because so much damage had been done early on. And uh, that that performance, uh, a demolition of Australia, mm. was was very much, I think, uh, encapsulating of England's overall cricket over the last three or four years. Something, I suppose I've given it a, a cod name, total cricket, which is something that, that Andrew Strauss and Farbrace and Bayliss and Morgan really had this philosophy for right back at the start, 2015, when you know they, they talked about obviously being aggressive but also being smart and working together as a team. So that means, some of it's fairly obvious, building partnerships with the bat, running hard between the wickets, making maximising the opportunities for singles and twos as well as hitting the boundaries and the power hitting and so on, uh, being smart in the field. So everybody is playing their part, people running to the stumps to take the throws. 
fielders running in and picking the ball up one-handed and attacking the ball. You know, that great run-out that Adil Rashid executed off Ross Taylor in the last group game to, yeah. to win against New Zealand. There have been several examples of that. The Butler run-out of Smith, exactly, you know, seizing on the ball, throwing the stumps down at the bowler's end, things they practice all the time. That is all part of what I call total cricket, which is what's got England to this level. Another aspect of it, of course, is trying to take wickets in the middle overs, which England did yesterday. And they, I mean, they bowled Archer out quite early. They were looking for wickets. They didn't want to just sit back and say, OK, you know, we, we, we've done well. We can limit Australia. You know, they, we can keep them to 250. No, they, they actually went for it and tried to say, right, let's keep them down as low as they possibly can. So, you know, that, you know that's a, another aspect to it as well. Yeah, and that comes from Brendan McCullum originally, his friendship with Owen Morgan and his... His, his sort of influence as well. When he captained New Zealand in one-day cricket in particular, you know, he went kind of almost overboard sometimes on the attack with extra slips and so on. And his total philosophy is take wickets, take wickets. That is the best way of stemming a run rate, of reducing your target if you're fielding first. And it does work, doesn't it? Because if you look at what England have done consistently through probably the last two or three years and, and in this tournament as well... If you take those wickets early on to start with, and then particularly in the middle overs, you've got bowlers like Plunkett and Rashid who might go for runs, but they do keep picking up wickets. Then you've got batsmen's eight, nine, ten facing those death overs, mm. and you know so much emphasis about how you know we, we've got to bowl well at the death. We've got to be have our best death bowlers. Well, you don't need your best death bowlers so much if you've taken so many wickets early in the piece. Therefore, poorish batsmen are batting in those death overs who are easier to contain. Yeah, and England's approach when they they bat as well is positive. I said to Joe Root uh, yesterday, what you know, what was said at halfway? Can you get you, Australia got a score on the board of sorts, and they not not quite the score that they felt like a working total, like New Zealand did in, in their semi final. What what was said? He said, "Be busy. We need to be busy when we go out and bat." Because of course, you know, they weren't really like that were they against Sri Lanka, which was which was the match that nearly undid it all. The four year plan really was nearly undone by that woeful performance against Sri Lanka. Which I'm glad to say I completely missed. <laughs> I was at a wedding in Kent and I actually only knew anything of it when my son... So said, what was your reaction when you, when you heard that I England was absolutely lost? stunned. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got a message from my son Callum at sort of six o'clock at night saying, we lost because Moeen gave his wicket away. <laughs> and I looked at my text... Lost? Lost to Sri Lanka? Yeah. And I was marooned in the middle of Kent, so had no idea. I'm glad I missed it, actually, because well, it, it just sounded like a very un-England performance. Well, it, uh, it was, actually, it was a very England performance, you know, based on, the, on their sort of last 20 years of one-day cricket, but based on the last four years of, of one-day cricket, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it, was, it, was, it was diabolical. It was a real sort of shut the curtains on it, really. And, you know, they, I think they admitted they had a bit of a hangover into the Australian match at Lords, but uh, since then they've actually played. Now, the th- in the last three games, they've played the three World Cup semi-finalists mm. and and beaten them all, mm. which is you know not a bad way to go into a, a World Cup final on Sunday. We should talk a bit about New Zealand I was as well. About to say I that. mean, they, yeah. I, I, I honestly I could not see them realistically getting through a semi-final against India or Australia. I, mm. I just couldn't see it. I mean, we talked last time about you know what. Just possibly one way they could was if they got a score on the board and were able to squeeze. And, of course, that's sort of what happened. That was the way they, they were able to win. 
But I mean, they, you know, they they keep confounding people. Successive World Cup semi-finals. Of course, last time, you know, they were playing. They played all their matches at home in in the you know in the lead up to the final. So you know, fantastic effort from mm. them to get through. You could argue that you know one or two things have gone their way. The fact that their group match against India was rained out, giving them a valuable point. The fact that Pakistan, who finished level on points with them in the in the group table, had that horrendous defeat against West Indies, cataclysmic defeat in terms of their net run rate. Right at the start, and the fact that New Zealand had three relatively straightforward games to start with, which, which sort of got them going. But I mean, that was their that was their best performance. They saved their best performance really for the most crucial match games. It was a riveting game. It, it, it How really much was. Were, was it influenced? Do you think by the weather? Because they got to two hundred and eleven for five, and then the rain came, and the match was was abandoned for the day. And then when they came back on to bowl the next day, pitch had been under covers. Mm. Maybe that helped a bit, do you think? Yeah, a little, possibly a little bit, yeah. I, but India lost early wickets, and, and that was always going to be the test of them. You know, under pressure, if they lost their big players early, Rohit Sharma and Kohli, how would they respond? Well, they responded really poorly for a large part of it, and then brilliant from, from Dhoni and Jadeja. I mean, I think one thing we, we've got to say, you look at that New Zealand batting lineup, and it, it looks a bit thin, doesn't it? It's very reliant on Kane Williamson, who's been absolutely superb in this world yeah you've Cup. got the stats there saying that Williamson and Root are one yeah, run apart one run apart yeah and if if, if, if either score 100 in the final they will then be the leading run scorer in the World Cup because they, they are you know, roughly 100 runs behind Rohit Sharma so Williamson 548 runs Root 549 and they're quite in a way they're quite similar sort of players aren't they they, they manipulate the ball well they're not power hitters but they can hit the, the boundaries and the sixes but they don't tend to emphasise that no. they're, they're more stylish really aren't they yeah that, that, absolutely and they, the point being that Williamson has sort of hauled them it hauled the batting into, mm. the, into the final but he, they have got a very dangerous bowling attack which they were able to employ against India and put pressure on them and those early wickets again it's that squeezing that feeling of, of pressure on a batting side they forced Pandya and Pant to mm. play big shots, or they, or perhaps those two just couldn't help it. You know what they're like; they, they're so impulsive, really. Very talented, and that that pressure just built and built and built on India. And he, even with that partnership, that, that wonderful partnership between uh, Dhoni and Jadeja, principally Jadeja, who you know who was played some tremendous strokes. I always felt New Zealand were going to win the game even when they were sort of getting a bit closer and closer and closer simply because at one stage they're going to have to take a big risk and once they took that risk you, you just felt there was going to be a catch somewhere and there were there were nearly two catches that just fell short of fielders but eventually Jadeja went for one and, and, and skied it and that was not quite it because Dhoni was run out by a brilliant piece of fielding from, from Guptill yeah. but yeah New Zealand are a, a, a very well, efficient they, team in the field. They're versatile. Mm. You know, so they've got a left-arm over bowler, Bolt, who really projects for wickets. They've got Matt Henry, who's very steady and nips the ball away, a bit like Chris Wokes, similar sort of bowler to him. Mm. They've got a, a fast bowler in, in Lockie Ferguson, who's taken 18 wickets in the tournament and, you know, does take some watching, but we'll give you a few 
four balls as well. And then they've got Santner, who's quite a clever bowler, and a couple of fill-in bowlers as well, who can be quite canny and, and take wickets when, when necessary. So Williamson has lots of bowling choices yeah. there. Look at someone like Colin DeGrand, and we think, oh, well, he's a, he's a knockoff. We can work him around. He's actually one of the tightest bowlers in, in this World Cup, who's bowled a significant number of overs. If you look at his runs per over, he's, he's right up there. Mm. So, you know, they, they've, got, they've got lots of options, and you know, they, they, they are... Well, they're, they're patronising to say it. They're a very tidy team. They're in the World Cup final. I'm surprised they're there. I, I hold my hand up. I'm surprised they're there. I don't. I mean, I didn't see them. I saw them play against Afghanistan in, at Taunton, and I thought this team does not look like you know a world champion. But they're, they're one match away from it. England have played them twelve times since what I call the debacle of Wellington, when England lost by eight wickets in the last World Cup, and the game was over by the practically over by the interval. They had an interval, but they came back and knocked them off afterwards in you know ten minutes or whatever. They played them 12 times. England have won eight and lost four. And New Zealand have won three of those matches on the chase. But I would imagine that whoever wins the toss at Lords on Sunday is going to bat first. The last five matches at Lords have been won by the team batting first. And all games in this World Cup have been won by the team uh, batting first. At Lords. At Lords, yeah. Um, and it's something like 17 out of 23 matches that have gone to the team batting first as well in the tournament over the last couple of weeks isn't it certainly batting first dominance but England have in a way uh, proved that the, the reverse well, that was against also, Australia yeah, that was also yeah. good about the semi-final actually, yeah. because if England won batting first and we say oh well they won because they won the toss but that you know they just knocked that on the head completely mm. no complaints at all from Australia now you've got the bowling stats there of the rivals in the World Cup final mm. Archer, I mean, he's been an absolute revelation. He came into this tournament having only played 15 one-day games for Sussex and a few games for against Pakistan, obviously. So that was his first out, outing in England one-day colours. And he's now taken 19 wickets in the tournament, up there with the top five wicket-takers, mm. and his economy rate at 4.6. Nobody has been able to either get him away or pick up his bouncer mm. because you, you've seen people ducking, weaving... Hit on the the head as Alex Carey was yesterday, and he's been a phenomenon. Yeah, uh, and to think that there was that debate about whether he should actually be in the mm. in the World Cup, uh, I don't think there was a debate actually uh, behind mm. the scenes. Mm. I think he was once he was eligible to play, mm. he was always going to. Do you remember um, we had on on here a bit in about April or maybe even before that actually about March time we had Zubin Baracha who's yeah. the Rajasthan Royals director of cricket and he'd seen Archer the previous year and signed him for the 2018 IPL and he when talking about his projected elevation to England one day international colours and whether England should do that or not he said of course he'll be your best bowler he'll be your best bowler he said that six months ago and he is well every every overseas person we've spoken to about Archer you know, you know, we've had lots of people on this podcast in the last year. When you ask them about Archer, they say, "Yeah, of course, England should pick him. Yeah, he's, he's a fantastic talent. It's not. There's no question." And he he was one, and there have been quite a few others who said exactly the same thing. And I mean, for a guy who's what 24 years of age, you know, very inexperienced, his World Cup has been mm. stunning, really, mm. isn't it? For, for for a guy who's been, and, and I think just just the the the, the, the calmness, the composure, the apparent enjoyment. 
you know he's uh, had in this tournament as well. You watch him warm up in the in the morning, and he bowl, he's bowling left arm spinners and left arm swingers, yeah. and just sort of very casual, almost as if he's warming up for a club match. And then in the middle, you know, the enormity of having to bowl those key overs at the start of innings, opening the bowling to the Australian captain in a semi final, things like that. Seems completely unfazed by it. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. Well, he's got a fantastic future ahead of him. Um, I don't think after the World Cup final Sunday will be the last we see him in playing for England this <laughs> summer. I mean, he's got he's got to play in the Ashes as long as his his body holds up. I asked him about that yesterday. I spoke to him. I said, you know, I said, how, how is the body? You know, with the Ashes mm. coming up. He was, sort of, you know, I think he saw, he, he's he's under a bit of pressure physically. Mm. Um, he's had that like side problem. Um, but he, he seemed quite confident that he'd be okay for for red ball cricket. Uh, but he's going to play. An, he stays fit. He's going to play an enormous amount for I, I England suppose, in the next few years. I suppose they'll they'll probably pick him for the Ireland Test because that would be England's sort of trial for the Ashes mm. in a way, won't it? And that's only about a week or so, or ten days yeah. after the World Cup final. Yeah, well, I'd I'd recommend he goes to Barbados for about three weeks. Actually, <laughs> goes and gets in the sea, have a little bit of R and R comes back for the Ashes and doesn't play in the Ireland match, but there may not be no, there may not be an option. So Sunday then, Simon, it's sort of where it all started for England, the revolution, wasn't it? That that um, remarkable performance at Edgbaston where they made 408 for nine in against 2015. New Zealand in, in 2015, the first summer after the, the World Cup. You know, the four-year plan has worked. They've made the, the World Cup final. It's New Zealand again. Uh, how strong a favourite are England for this game, do you think? Very strong favourites because they've played so much good cricket and they're at home. And they're on a roll of three excellent performances. I think they're fairly fit. I mean, there's a little bit of a question mark over Bairstow, isn't there? Yeah, there is. After yeah. the, the semi-final. But you sense that he's going to be OK. Yeah. Uh, when he went down, I thought, that's it. At the World Cup, out of the ashes. You, you accused me of being pessimistic. But he, he went down as if he'd been shot. You know, mm. and, the, and he was let out on the ground. The physio came out. And I thought, there's no way he's going to better continue in, in any sort of... It's a realistic manner here, but he got he got up again and was you know running between the wickets. So a bit gingerly, it has to be said. So you almost got two the two openers are almost on one leg at the moment. And Roy, I, I don't sense is one hundred percent fit. Uh, imagine if he, mm. if he, imagine if he gets one hundred percent fit. I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. So there, there are there are those yeah. issues ringing at the top of the order. Best of is so important to them in the field as well, mm. beetling around well, the boundary. And Roy, and Roy is of course well, too. Yeah. he's been hidden. He's a, been a hidden. Yeah, definitely, he's been hidden a bit recently. But best are vital for them. And the, and, and their running between the wickets yeah. is very important. I mean, it hasn't been as important, I suppose, over the last couple of games because they've hit so many boundaries. Mm. But going back to your twenty fifteen uh, analogy or you know reference. That first match against New Zealand at Edgbaston, of course, it started in completely the wrong way. It was Jason Roy opening the batting. He was out first ball, yeah, yeah. caught at backward point. Yeah. And yet it didn't stop England from just going with their new philosophy of almost all-out attack, kind of what I call everything must go, mm. you know, in sales terminology. And, you know, they have stuck to that pretty much, and they have to stick to it again in the same way as talking to Andrew Strauss before the India final group game when England had to win to, to stay in it to, to get to the semi-finals and I said to Strauss who was the sort of architect of the whole philosophy how should England play today what would you say to the players in the dressing room and he said 
I would say go back to your be aggressive, fearless sort of approach that's got you to this point. No, no holding back, no fears, no qualms. Just go for it and, and be as aggressive as possible. And, you know, since then, with both bat and ball, they have been, without being kamikaze, but, you know, the way they took on those Indian spinners, for instance, at Edgbaston, the way they, they pump, pumped Stark back over his head towards the end of that Australian run chase, you know, the, the way they're playing, they are favourites. Uh, they have... I think uh, the key thing, apart from that opening pair, who are far superior to New Zealand's opening pair, is they have numbers five and six. And for me, you know, Stokes at fives had a superb tournament. Mm. And Butler, who actually hasn't done a huge amount, but has the potential, he has an intimidating kind of aura about him. All teams fear him. Those players at five and six should ensure that England win. Yeah. How can New Zealand win then? What, what, what are their options for winning? How, how do they play it? I mean, they're a, they are a street-smart side. They've yeah. got some very good players. They've got a good bowling attack. What's their, what's their game plan? Bat first. What, OK, they win the toss, they bat first. What's, what's their plan? Well, not lose early wickets. Fairly obvious. Uh, don't get bowled out by Wokes and uh, an Archer. Build a platform that Williamson and Taylor and then Nisham and others can really kind of construct a proper score out of. Don't lose early wickets and don't lose too many wickets in the middle overs. Just try and build the pressure on the bowlers so that they can really accelerate in the last, say, 15 overs. I mean, there are so many gaps in those, in those overs from 15 to 40, sorry, from 10 to 40, because you can only put four men on the boundary. So there are always two boundary options. It doesn't need big slogs. I mean, the, the batsmen who've got caught in the deep, a deep mid-wicket, that, that, that's just stupid batting. There are so many ways of getting boundaries without taking unnecessary risks. So I would say don't take unnecessary risks for those batsmen uh, until those last ten overs. Right, so don't, don't take unnecessary risks have some ammunition left at the end, yeah. get a score on the board, perhaps not overextend yourself. Is, is that one way they can do it? You know, I, if you... think, I think three, you know, 280 to 300, you'd set your stall on 300, around about 300. You, that bowling attack, that New Zealand bowling attack, has a potential to defend that. Oh, I, I think they'd definitely defend 300, wouldn't they? Do you think? I mean, Lords of late, Owen Morgan has, has played, played there, he's played his, his county cricket there. I clearly remember a one-day match last year against India where England won the toss. I, everyone, I think, expected them to chase. He said, no, no, we bat, we bat first at Lords because the pitch, I, I know from playing here, the pitch sort of deteriorates during the day. So England, I'm sure England will, will bat first. Now, I think 280-300 would be a fantastic score. I mean, obviously, it sort of depends on the, you know, the surface. It might be absolutely brilliant for the final, but you, you'd think 280, yeah. Even two sixty. Okay, so that's one way of England. And, and look to score square the wicket as well. I'd say you know it's all the all the old adages about play straight and all that. But the boundaries at laws straight yeah. are long. Yeah. The boundaries square really short. So you only need a bit of power on your cut or your pull, and ten yards wide the fielder is four. So England win the toss back first. They they pile up. <laughs> 320. Well, if England win the toss and bat first, obviously the, the key is taking early wickets, uh, Bolt and, and, and Matt Henry. And they've done it before at Lords in a test match. They had England something like 50 for four in that test match in 2015. I remember Matt Henry taking, I think, three of those wickets. So he'll bowl nursery end, mm. Bolt will bowl pavilion end. They'll try and swing the ball a little bit. And if you look at the stats throughout the tournament, 
the average opening partnership of winning teams is 60 and the average opening partnership of losing teams is about 20. So opening pairs have absolutely controlled most of these games. A big opening stand and then the rest can just build on it and you, you win most of those games. So New Zealand bat first, aim for 275, 280. England bat first, they've got to keep them under 250. Something like that? Yeah, England bat first. Yeah, they, they, they've got to get them. I, I think anything under 300 for New Zealand bowling first, that's a result. Yeah. If England get more than that, they're going to win. 11 World Cup finals have been played. Seven have been won by the team batting first and four have been won by the team batting second. The last two finals have been won by the team batting second. India on their home turf in, in Mumbai and Australia in their home turf in Melbourne have, have won on the chase. Yeah, and, and you know that last one, classic example, early wicket, Stark yeah. knocking over McCullum in the first over. Sends up a strong message, doesn't it? When you take early wickets in those big games, mm. it just puts the jitters into the batting team. Yeah. Now, it hasn't been a, a, a World Cup totally dominated by the bats when the bowlers have, have had their say we've looked at the likes of Stark and Archer and, and, and Trent Bolt yeah. and Bolt actually and there haven't been any monumental scores there, really there haven't there's been no score of 400 at all but you've got news of another innovation uh, for batsmen that's going to uh, you know it feels as if uh, the game is all about batting innovation yeah. batting changes but you've, you've got news of another one well this is a uh, this is a, an Indian guy Gagan Dugger who uh, was a software expert and cricket fanatic. And he's developed a little little gadget which sits on the back of your bat. Uh, and it's called Straight Bat, the technology. It's spelled S-T-R, then the number eight, bat. And the idea is it's a piece of kit that can measure and monitor your bat swing, either in the nets or in a match. So you attach this tiny gadget, which doesn't weigh anything, to the back of your bat, and then you play your shots in the nets or in a match, and then you upload the findings, the, the data, to an app on your phone or your laptop, and it shows your bat path, your bat speed, your bat lift, uh, your follow-through, your timing. It shows how well you timed the ball. It doesn't show where the ball went. It shows the direction of the shot, but it obviously doesn't show the actual ball because it's not a camera. It's just measuring a bat swing and a bat path. So it can tell you where, in what direction the ball was hit, but it can't tell you how far it was hit. But it will tell you the bat speed, the bat direction, and you can look at it in 360 degrees. So if you want to look at your bat swing from gully or you want to look at your bat swing from wide mid-on or wherever, you can just rotate the picture to see exactly how your bat path works. And you've been talking to the man who came up with it. The man who came up with it, as I say, is Gagan Dagger, and he explained how he came up with the idea. <laughs> it's funny. You ask uh, the short answer to this is a midlife crisis. I <laughs> uh, was doing pretty well in a company called SAP, uh, but didn't know what to do in life. was sitting in this leadership program at INSEAD Business School in Singapore, uh, in the Blue Oceans class, where, you know, this whole idea came in that how do I democratize technology in sports, make it accessible to all, and of equal or the same value to what we have right now. So you provide something which is of almost similar value at a fraction of a cost, make it accessible to all, so that technology and sports are really married, not at the highest level, but at the grassroots level. And, and who's using it at the moment? 
we have more than 1200 players who have been using it uh, since our launch uh, late last year uh, rajasthan royals was a customer a lot of different academies in india uh, cricket australia ncc uh, the national cricket national cricket center in brisbane yeah. they have been using it now some time uh, so it's been a huge so their young players are sort of working with it mainly i suppose yeah young players are working with it and that's a huge uh, you know thing for them because they are really kind of in absorption phase a lot of elite players have used it uh, and they want to uh, you know uh, use it some of the women cricketers will be using it now as we speak so every the, the interesting thing simon is that everybody i have seen that different use cases people have found the use of somebody wants to get their bat lift angle right somebody wants to get that down swing right somebody wants to ensure that their path is in line much more than before somebody wants to increase their bat speed somebody wants to ensure that the shoulder is going forward so there are different use cases players have found use of and uh, and that's a beautiful product that if product can allow you to explore what will help you get better i think you've done a decent job have you got any uh, evidence of its impact on players many i can tell you i have got enough and more use cases of player using the using straight bat since 3 uh, months and more uh, the batting parameters as we measure has improved by 20% to 70% beat bat speed beat impact speed beat the bat lift bat lift angle which they want to get right or beat whether and what, what about actual and does that translate into performance a uh, very good question uh, we have seen now now i can tell you that some of the players whom we have been uh, working and monitoring towards uh, three of them have scored centuries and double centuries consistently last uh, you know few tournaments uh, that takes time simon mm-hmm. right uh, results will follow we are confident about that as long as the process is followed but the heartening thing is that we have now enough and more players whose batting parameters have improved and has resulted into their on field performance you've got a a famous test player or ex test player as a an investor and someone who really believes in this product yeah uh, greg greg chapel i mean a legend of the game one of the best one of the best batsmen to to play the game he has invested in us and also he'll be the guru on the flat platform you'll see a lot of videos a lot of content from him sharing his insights on the game to all of you which is great for us uh, and uh, the fact that he believed this believed in this product was a great testimony for what we have done and what we want to do and how do you how do you get one if you want a straight bat how do you how do you get it so uh, if you're if you are a consumer just a uh, you know a, a, a single consumer go to our website preorder it straightbat.com str number 8bat.com go visit us uh, you can just ping us and the great thing about this product is that it doesn't take any setup you don't have to carry those 40 kilo devices along with you on your shoulders small sticker use it use it every day to measure and hence to improve okay so that's gagan dagger is this for everybody is this for pros is it for club players who who's it for i think it's for everybody actually i think even 7 year olds 8 year olds might find it quite fun but certainly i think professionals would find it useful it depends as a player how forensic you are about your technique you know someone like uh, someone like steve smith looking at it might have a heart attack seeing the weirdness of his back path but it works for him yeah. uh, so it's not necessarily something that's trying to say 
you have to do it this way. It's more just looking at what you do. And maybe if you are having issues, if you keep getting caught slip or you keep miscuing the ball or getting leading edges or something, it might help you with that sense. But that, and that happens to all levels of the game. So if you're someone who is interested in trying to improve your, your bat swing, in trying to improve your output ultimately... I think it could be a very useful tool. But would you then need a, a, a qualified cricket coach to sort of help you break down that information and, and, in, and improve your game? It's already well knowing you know, what you've done wrong, but how do you then improve it? What do you need to do to, to go to the next level? You do need some expert guidance. I think there'll be some keys to usage on the website as well, some little tips for what to look out for. I mean, I still think the best way of learning is by watching the, the, the best players. So by watching a Joe Root or a Rohit Sharma or whoever, bat Kane Williamson, you know, by watching them bat and trying to copy them. And incidentally, the Joe Root's Academy, which I think is called Root 66, he actually has a, a piece of technology which enables you to film your shot on your mobile and then compare how he plays that shot mm-hmm. and actually synchronise the two. So almost try and replicate how Joe Root plays his cover drive. So that's another way of of looking at sort of improving your technique. Obviously, expert coaches are valuable in in terms of perhaps making you not worry about getting it absolutely perfect, but also making little points to make this kind of technology more useful. I think what coaches really benefit from is having evidence, because you can have a coach standing next to you going, well, you know, you're taking your bat back to gully and it's not coming down straight. But now, like you can whatever. actually see it for yourself. Now you can see it for yourself, yeah. And, and it's not a, a coach standing there with a video camera yeah. either trying to throw you balls. I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but when I try and film, say, my daughter or my son practising and I'm throwing their balls at the same time, and the camera just goes all over the place. <laughs> Obviously, you could put it you could put it on a tripod. tripod. That might be an idea. But this is, you know, carting a tripod around is a bit of a pain, and then the ball is driven at it and hits the tripod, and the <laughs> camera falls over, or you forgot to press play, whatever. So there are all sorts of issues that, that can hamper your filming of, of players. This is a, a nice, simple piece of technology, which actually kids, I'm sure, would, would really enjoy playing around with. Excellent. Okay, I wonder what we're going to see from the batsman on Sunday at Lords. I mean, it's a it's a fantastic occasion. It's England's first World Cup final since 1992. It's New there. Zealand's first. Were you yeah, yeah. In, in Melbourne? Yeah, in I was there. I could barely see the ball. Actually, it was so high up yeah. in the southern stand, which holds about 35,000 people. The ball was a tiny speck as Derek Pringle bowled that fateful ball to Jarvid Miander, which wasn't given LBW, and Pring claims to this day it should have been. Well, it's absolutely plum, isn't it? seen on YouTube I mean it's hard to it's hard to argue with him and I I came back actually from that final with two men on the upper deck of a a Thai Airways plane I said I suppose you've been to the World Cup final in Melbourne they said well we have but our wives didn't know we've we left Bristol on Sunday saying we're going to London for a conference (laughs) and they went to Melbourne to watch the World Cup finals before the days of mobile phones and Snapchat and you know people being able to tell wherever you are in the world and they got away with it but England lost. This time, I think England will win. Well, my feeling about it is England will... And I felt this actually at the halfway stage of the semi-final. I just thought, thought about it in a sort of clear way. In our lifetimes, my lifetime, your lifetime, England will never have a better chance of winning the 50-over World Cup. That's a good way to end. And all I would say is, even if they don't, I'm very proud of what they've achieved. 
and it will be a great day for everybody. Yeah, fantastic occasion. And new World Cup final winners. England and New Zealand have never won the World Cup before, so there will be new winners this time round. Can't wait for Sunday. Can't wait, and good luck to both teams. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you after the final. Goodbye for now. Hope you enjoy the day. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.